Hello and welcome to episode 1224 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Monday, October 9th. I'm your host, Paul Spore, joined this morning by Justin Mason. Justin, good morning, sir. Good morning. How you doing? I'm doing well. Had a good weekend. Lots of uh, getting outdoors out at the concert festival, ACL, Austin City Limits. It was a good time. Playoff baseball started and boy, a tradition unlike any other. Clayton Kershaw. Actually, it's not unlike any other because this was so far and away his worst outing. It actually feeds the playoff Kershaw narrative because if we're being honest, and even as a Giants fan, mm-hmm. I think you can admit this. Prior to this, it was a it was a pretty flimsy notion that like he just outright sucked in October. He had some painful blowups that you could go back and look at. You know, the Cardinals kind of. Uh, you know, uh, Pedro always talks to him, the Yankees aren't his daddy. The Cardinals were kind of Kershaw's daddy. They had a couple ugly outings run up against him in those back-to-backs in 13 and 14. But beyond that, he'd mostly been Kershaw. He also had the little rough inning um, against Washington, and that one that one stung as well. You know, you can find pockets, but it wasn't just this unending run of of horrendousness from Kershaw. In fact, he'd kind of outrun the reputation a bit. The 2020 run was excellent. Um, He was fine in 2022. Uh, Last year's start against the Padres, that's all all he had. They were fine. But then this, Justin, a third of an inning, six hits, six runs. Is he hurt? Did they have something on him or both? I mean, I think it's got to be both. I mean, well, maybe, maybe, I don't know. I mean, Dave Roberts did say like before the game, like, oh, this is the healthiest he's been in a long time. And he feels then great. I, I, and and uh, though, Then we can't blame it on that until we hear something from Kirsch. We'll take Dave Roberts at his word that if he's pitching at that level, great. So then I'm not going to use a potential injury excuse. Then, I mean, I, I can't, I can't read, you know, uh, uh, tips the, the way some people can see stuff like that haven't even played like jason picks up shit like yeah. that and uh, it's impressive i don't see that stuff do you, was there any chatter of that on twitter i know you were on twitter tiktok you had a really funny tiktok by the way uh, related to the incident um was there any talk of that what, what i i haven't was there anything, anything there i i mean i haven't seen anything i'm sure there was some, i'm sure there were people trying to you know break down side by side comparisons of his motion and maybe he was tipping something but you have to think like he gave up five runs on five hits before he ever even recorded an out so and like, then only got the one out yeah and like and i gave wanna, up another run i want to say like every single ball that got hit was hit like like 105 miles an hour or faster or something like that or i think five of the six or whatever uh so like you have to think like arizona saw something there was something in, and maybe it was like he just wasn't feeling right and you know after the first you know hit he gave up he maybe like really started showing something uh but you have to think there was something. i mean he is in spite of the narrative that i love to promote that you know kershaw sucks in the postseason uh like he's actually been really really good if you look at the underlying numbers he has like a 303 you know sierra you know over four to one strikeout to walk ratio in the postseason he's just been really unlucky not counting this outing obviously this outing he was just atrocious um so like i i almost feel bad for him but as a giants fan i can't feel bad for him uh but like as a baseball fan i I do feel bad for him and just as a human being like just seeing like him feel that way like him yeah uh like 
it's you, uncomfortable. You almost wonder too, like he gives up like the first two and you, and he, you know, you wonder if like, he just got in his head, like, like, you know, because we've seen him on the bench before after a bad playoff outing, just like beating himself up. And, you know, there is such a mental aspect to the game that uh, we can't account for necessarily in the numbers. And you wonder if he just, maybe he just started beating himself up to the point where like he couldn't get right uh, in that outing. So, um, you know, I, I hope that this isn't the last playoff, you know, pitches that he throws because I think as a Hall of Famer and a generational talent, he deserves to like go out, not necessarily like a World Series champion, but de- deserves to go out better not than like this. this. Yeah. Um, not like this, please, for one of the best, like you said, of the gen- the, the best of his generation. Yeah. I'm, I'm a Verlander guy through and through. Kershaw has better numbers, he's, you know, when you match it all up. Career two forty eight ERA and a career four forty nine postseason ERA. Like that isn't right. Like that just it's doesn't stunning. Even as a Giants fan, that doesn't sit right uh, with me. So, um, I mean, I hope like he comes back next year because I don't want to see them winning an, a playoff game this year uh, as a Giants fan. But you're like, down for them to keep keep. Keep losing. Yeah, I'm totally down. Yeah, I I want I want the Diamondbacks to just sweep them. Like just go baby snakes. You yeah. know we we've been on baby snakes all year. Um, I didn't pick them against the Dodgers because I'm just like okay, I think Big Bro's still gonna get the baby snakes, but maybe not. Man, getting one in L.A. off rip has got to feel so good for them. And I was looking through this to see if like maybe they were just jumping him early and that was kind of the consistent thing, but not really. Um, second hit, second pitch double, second pitch single, th- third pitch single, but then seven, seven, and five, and then eight pitch at bats after that. So it was a mix of jumping him early because then the last one before uh, Kershaw had to come out was a Longoria double on the first pitch. So there was no set pattern there. Um, was there a set pattern they, on the pitches? Like, were they just seeing his curveball or? They were seeing the breaking stuff. Um, but then the last two hits were off the fastball. So everything seemed to just be a bit off. The first four hits, though, were all breakers. So it seems like they were spitting heat. Actually, not necessarily spitting, though. They were swinging at that, too. They were attacking early. Because you look at Marte, he swings, fouls off four-seamer, then laces the curve. Uh, Carroll comes right up, same thing. Fouls off a four-seamer, rips the slider. Then back-to-back four-seamers to Fam, which he swung through and then fouled off and then hit a slider for a single. So they're on everything. So where do you go at that point if you're Kershaw? They're, they're literally swinging at every single pitch the first seven pitches and they have three hits and it's four four seamers two sliders in a curve what the hell do you do and it's and the it's, answer was nothing of course it's not like the velocity was down the spin was down a little bit but but not tangibly to a point that we would normally say yeah. oh hey this is a thing so it just might be one of those things man they maybe they're on the signs maybe they're on a tip they knew what was coming and they cooked it i'm not i'm not insinuating any amount of uh false uh a uh, uh, foul play either i want to be clear on that yeah. i'm just saying that they were reading kershaw like a book and that book was not particularly difficult to read and the thing was this was not a trend from the season he had three solid starts against them um one run uh, or one of them had four runs or else it would have been three qualities actually never mind one was five innings so it was one earned one earned and four earned over five six and six innings for kershaw so he didn't have troubles with them during the season they just absolutely ran him. We're not going to go through the entire playoffs, but that's obviously the standout moment. Yeah. 
if they don't if if they lose you know two of the next three and he doesn't pitch again will it affect kershaw's in-season price do you think no i don't either i think and it shouldn't by the way kershaw is who he is he's a guy he's not yeah. he's not going to throw a ton of innings year to year but they're all going to be elite innings, whatever he throws. So, like, I don't yep. think you that, take your one twenty, yeah, and you, yeah, you're happy one twenty five and a two and a half ERA. Like, I mean, you know, he had a two forty six ERA and one hundred thirty one innings this year with just over a strikeout nice. inning. Like, he's just when he's on the mound, he's elite still. Absolutely, yeah, no. So I, I agree there. I do not think he'll be hurt by this, nor should he. It won't affect my pricing on Clayton Kershaw. But we are going to talk about some pitchers. With some affected pricing, we're talking best bargains in the top 50 pitchers. We did the top 50 hitters last time out. Just using the um, uh, auction calculator results from this year and comparing that to the ADPs that we have on the site, which are an amalgam. I don't know the exact cutoff of main events that they have. So if you see something that's a little bit off from the exact main event, probably not going to be so far off to to ruin the conversation just let me be clear on that that that's the source i'm pulling from uh before we get into these let's start with the easy top guy and again it doesn't matter exactly where the adp is because this guy was nothing but great zach efflin holy smokes he finished fourth among starters this year justin what an absolutely excellent run for uh Zach Eflin this year, and people were on this. This was yeah. not one that was necessarily hidden. There were a lot of people that believed kind of blind trust of Tampa Bay pays off here because even if you weren't a big Eflin fan, if you just say, you know what, this is the biggest signing that they've ever done, uh, they might see something here. I trust them inherently. Let me go for Zach Eflin at ADP 272. That's not hurting you, and it paid off handsomely. What, was, what were your thoughts on Zach Eflin coming into the year? I liked him, especially at his early price, because, I mean, before the main event, he was going, like, way outside the top 300. Uh, and I got him in a couple spots. And then I just never ended up with him in any of my, like, later drafts, right? Like, once March came around, the price went up a little bit. And I just never ended up with him. And I'm bummed by that because I've always been an Eflin guy uh, in Philadelphia, and I should have kind of kept with that. But, uh, you know, I... I will kind of love him heading into uh, 2024. Uh, so I, I've already got him in my only draft that I did back in July, August, something like that um, for my three sport league. And I got him late. Like I, he wasn't like one of my, even my first pitchers that I took. So I was going to say, he's not, Zach Eflin's not going to hold this value to the degree of being anywhere near the fourth starter off the board. Where would you estimate you got him if you don't have it handy? Are we talking SP 20, 30 range for Eflin? I think he went later than that. Like, I mean, so people are going to bring him down. If they're not going to pay a premium on this, I'm really intrigued by that because, again, I don't necessarily think he's going to finish fourth again. I don't think that there is any reason to project Eflin that high, but there's a lot of wiggle room between that and. 30 sp 35 if that's where you're talking that you got him i mean we're talking about a 27 k rate four percent walk rate in 178 innings which was a career high um the strikeout rate we've seen quality strikeout rates before he's always been a good walk guy but he amped that up to a new level or, or down to a new level i guess at three percent everything was there for eflin 350 era 102 whip i mean should he be a top 15 guy 
I think there is an argument for that. Um, you know, I pitch it. I haven't even started my pitching projection, so it's hard for me to give an exact number uh, or even like an approximate number. But yeah, I mean, I think he should easily be in the top 25. Um, I'll tell you in that draft, he was my fourth starting pitcher that I had drafted. Wow. Uh, now I have an outstanding start to the rotation though. It looks less outstanding with Brandon Woodruff as part of it. Um, but uh, you know, so, you know, I, in, in that draft uh, my starting, he went in the 30th round of that draft. Now it's a three sport draft. So you have to accommodate for, you know, two other sports. So sure. But let's say he that meant he might like in baseball may have gone to the eighth round of that draft. Um, he went last pick in the pole hitter, the seven rounder that we keep referencing. Yeah, the very last pick to Ryan Bloomfield. I have no issues with that. Yeah, I, I don't either. That's pick um, one hundred five right there. I'm I'm trying to see real quick if I can bring up there is a completed draft, but the ADP is not yet up. Okay, uh, and I'm trying to see if I can find a screenshot of that somewhere um, in uh, da, 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 in the pull hitter Discord, which is a great Discord to be a part of. If uh, absolutely, if you're not already a part of it, it's uh, definitely worth the five bucks a month just for all the people who are in it and uh, very intelligent. Uh, okay, so here I would we go. Agree with Three, that, by the way, very. I've useful. got the first 24 rounds of it, so. Um, Eflin went in one, two, three, four, five, the sixth round, the beginning. Of okay. The, so he's the sixth round. He's moving up that seventh round, uh, last pick in the seventh round price from Bloomer might've been, might've been a bit of a discount. You're not really going to be getting that anymore, perhaps. Yeah. He went, uh, for context, he went right before Justin Verlander, Bobby Miller, Jesus Lazardo. Um, right after Aaron Nola, Pablo Lopez, Framber Valdez, and Logan Gilbert. Okay. Um, I think that's fine. I, I think that's, that sounds like a pretty decent range off the top of my head. We're going to talk about another one of those pitchers here in a moment. Um, uh, actually, in, in, in quite a little bit toward the end there. But yeah, Zach Eflin, huge season. I don't see a lot of reason to believe that he can't represent a, a pretty similar line next year. Uh, and we don't have to pay the premium price for it at, at, at the fourth round. We have to pay pr premium relative to anything Zach Eflin's ever cost. But if I'm paying around that uh, sixth, seventh round, 20, 25 pitchers off the board, I'm comfortable with that. Probably going to feel similarly about this guy who actually went uh, right around uh, Zach Eflin in the pull hitter pod. In the early part of the seventh round, Justin Steele went pick three to Jenny Butler. That was her third starter behind Strider and Gilbert. By the way, interesting trio there. You got the big strikeouts with Strider. You got the big, uh, you know, volume and control artistry with Gilbert. And then you got kind of a mix of the two with, uh, with Justin Steele. Huge season for Steele. This was a guy I really liked coming into the year. Feel good about everything that panned out here. 293 ADP, 14th SP off the board. The breakout came. Does it sustain now after 173 innings of a 306 ERA, 117 whip, Justin? I mean, I feel like it It will. Um, I mean, maybe it doesn't sustain to the level it did, but we're talking about a guy who had a 5% walk rate and a almost 25% strikeout rate throughout the season. Uh, and... It's not like he was, I mean, I guess he was worse in the second half. Um, but he also had more strikeouts in the second half. I mean, his strikeout rate was 
uh, in the second half. And I think he just probably got a little bit unlucky um, in that for or in that second half. Um, yeah. So his bad bib in the second half was 353. And so that accounts for why his uh, quite a bit. Um, his uh, second half was uh, much worse. Um, yeah, but even like the much worse, like I'm not like it was a 366 ERA. Like, you know. I can live with that. I could live with that. Like, here, that's so. that's totally fine out of Justin Steele. Uh, also piled up a bunch of wins uh, with 16 to get up here, too. And so keep that in mind. Zach Eflin, for his part, also had 16. And so when you're talking about these, these stat lines and where they're ranking, you have to include the wins because they definitely pushed these guys up. Now, they had great seasons as is, and that's why we believe in both Eflin and Steele. I just want to point out that they're ranking this high with a little extra kick from their win totals. Um, but they're both still, you know, Tampa Bay, we don't expect to really fall off. The Cubs didn't quite make it to the playoffs, but they were a cal uh, quality caliber team. I think they will be again next year. So you can expect a decent number of wins. It's just that putting down even 16 these days doesn't necessarily get yeah. you. Uh, you. You don't do that for too many guys in the projection sheet. 16 led the American League for um, uh, for Eflin here. I want to see. I think, I think Steele was behind Strider. Yeah, Strider got 20. Okay, so th there you go. So he wasn't getting to the top there in the National League. But plenty of goodness here. He'll be 28. Um, are we putting Eflin in a similar range? Or excuse me, uh, Steele in a similar range to Eflin? Uh, he went in the eighth round to the exact same team. So two rounds later. Two rounds uh, cheaper yeah. than Eflin. Uh, I don't know if that's right. Like that that to me. I would, I'd take that all day. Uh, yeah, if, if he's. If and he's, I like Eflin. Yeah, if he's going in the in the eighth round, I'm going to be uh, very stoked on uh, Justin Steele because, like, like I said, even though the ERA ERA went up in the second half, the skills were actually just as good, if not better. Right, a higher, almost a five percent jump in strikeout rate, kept the gains uh, in uh, walk rate. Like, there's nothing wrong with Justin Steele in terms of the profile, and I think the fact that he limits those walks so much. Like really kind of gives him a pretty high floor, which while I love Eflin, we have to acknowledge the fact that Eflin's got a long injury track record, right? Um, he does. And so if if I am wanting to draft for floor uh, when I'm drafting, uh, I'm going to take steel above Eflin. And at that point in the draft, you know, first 10 rounds or so, I really want to draft for floor. I don't want to necessarily draft as much for ceiling. It, it kind of depends, but I, I, I hear what you're generally saying. I, I mean, I like the, the profiles of both these guys. They both tune down their walks, um, you know, steal quite a bit. He cut it in half. Uh, Eflin kind of, you know, further solidified a strength of his while both having quality strikeout rates, the wins we mentioned, the good ratios. So I think the first one going, whoever it is in a given draft, will trigger me that I have to take the other pretty soon. Yeah. Because I'm going to like both. So, okay, Justin Steele goes off the board. I pick in five picks. If I'm looking starter, it's probably Eflin time unless, you know, somebody else has fallen down my list. But that's how I'm going to see them. Let's move on to our next guy. It's going to be quick here because we did break down uh, Tariq Skubal with the Tigers when we, when we talked about their young pitching as a whole. But I just wanted to point out that in just the, I think, 80 innings that he had, I'm pulling it up right now, Zach, uh, Tariq Skubal finished 15th 
among starters. Like that's how good his run was in 80 and a third. He went 280 ERA, 091 whip, 33% K rate, and got seven wins. He won half of his starts. So that really, really helped Tariq Skubal finish that high even though he had such a low workload. It's kind of like when DeGrom was able to finish sixth with that 92 inning season. This is kind of the baby version of that. So I just want to give Scooble some more love. We've already talked about how his price is going to be through the roof and everything. Uh, but were you impressed to see that he was 14th, uh, 15th on this list here? Yeah, it's insane. Um, like I'll, I'll take a fat L on Scooble because like I wasn't touching him uh, coming into the year or even when he was coming up from uh, from the IL. Uh, because, I liked him in Fab. I didn't draft him. Yeah. Um, so he, I just want to be clear. Once the injury hit, I, I wasn't drafting because I'm not holding that long. But I did try to get him in Fab. Got him in one league. Couldn't get him in the main. Yeah. He uh, he legit won people leagues. He I mean he, oh yeah he was, he was fantastic. Um, yeah. I mean he's going to be really expensive. He's already going in the fourth round of drafts. Uh, and that he's second third rounder in the spring. Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean people are gonna you know prorate what he did over the 80 and a third innings uh into you know 150 innings uh and all of a sudden you're talking about a guy who's going to be going in the second round uh pretty quickly so yeah uh, i don't think i'll pay that price but it was fun watching it i guess i will but um you'll pay a second it, it, round price on him maybe depends how the other guys are looking there's no there's no such thing as certainty with pitchers. Give me the guys who are the best. Let me let me give you some would you rathers okay. of guys. Uh right now they're probably not gonna be scuba, but let's let's talk about them. Okay. Um, I'm just saying I think I get there by the by the spring, depending on how the pitching pool looks. But yeah, hit me with hit me with some names here. Would you rather Tarek Scoobal or Corbin Burns? I'm I'm still Burnsy. I'm still Burnsy there. Luis Castillo? You know I'm still Castillo. That's yeah. my guy. Zach Wheeler. You know, he's going to put up another few brilliant playoff outings, and I'm going to have to go with him. So, yeah, I'm probably looking – I'm probably not looking in that second round then. If that's where Scoobo has to go, if I got to pay that. Uh, Kevin Gosman? That one's really close to me. That one is wow. not a certainty for Gosman. Yeah. It's it's really not. I mean, the, the Babbitt remains an issue. I don't know if it's a splitter thing um, or what. You know, last year he had the, the really high Babbitt, but we were like, okay, that's kind of a weird blip. It did come down this year by 42 points, but it was still 321, which I want to say was damn near leading the league yet again. Uh, let me pull that up on Gosman to just let you know. And by leading the league, that's obviously a bad thing. It didn't lead the league. Dylan Cease's 330, quote unquote, led the league. And then Charlie Morton and Char Car even, even Kevin Gosman. Even with 321 Babbitt, he had a 316 ERA. Like, that's how great he is. Like I mean, last that, year it was a 363 yeah. Babbitt, and he put up a 335. So he works out of it. I respect that. But he needed a 4% walk rate to do that in 2022, 7% this year, which he's capable of the 7%. The 4% was the scary part. That's why I didn't it love Gosman coming into this year. It is a 118 whip, which is not like bad. Because of the hits. But you don't want that. That's not what you want from your first starting pitcher. Exactly. And so I don't know what that is, right? They don't have bad infield defense necessarily. Is it the turf that allows things to, you know, a handful of extra hits to kind of skitter through? Because a lot of the Babbitt issue for Gosman has been at home. So the bottom line is he's the workhorse if you want that reliability with Gosman. But Scooble probably has the upside on him. I think Scooble can 
put up, you know, years that best the uh, the the top work of Gosman, which I think would be 2021 with your Giants when you put up 192 innings of a 281, okay. 104 with 29% K. Let me give you just a few more, okay? Okay. Um, Zach Gallon. I'm 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 Gallon there. I'm a Gallon yeah, gal. Me too. Uh, Kirby. I think, Again, I think these uh, next two are the ones I'm where getting, you probably really go. Like I, I'm getting close. Yeah, yeah. I'm getting really close on that. So, and then, but probably still leaning. Here, I don't know. Here, here's my line because I think this, okay. this is a really interesting debate. Tyler Glass now, who oh, there you go. Just like Scooble on a per inning basis is amazing. Exactly. So you but can't lean the many, health. But how many innings are you projecting for either of those guys? Like. I don't know that your project, like I, I said, 150 on Scooble. Is that like something you'd really project or something you hope to see? Like, you know, eh, I'm, I'm going to project that because, like, the unless you're predicting another injury, which, you know, maybe you are. I don't think you could necessarily. Yeah. And so, absent that, there is no reason for the Tigers to be uber cautious with him. He'll be 27 years old. You know, he's reached 149 before. That's Scooble's height uh, in innings. I don't see a reason that they can't go 160 with him, even though that's a 2x of last year. I don't think it's entirely based off of last year's numbers saying we have to be within X percentage of this. I think the the number to look at is the 149 and make sure that they're not going too far afield of that number. So that's why I will project Scooble. I'll probably have him right at a buck fifty. What would you project for Glass now? Who just threw? I'm not sure I can get twenty innings. I can barely get to triple digits with his history. Going to be a free agent as well, so that adds another wrinkle. But let's just go neutral on that right now. A career high 120 innings, mind you, at age 29. After this season. Oh, pardon me. Pardon me. I thought it was one more year on the. Okay, so one more year with the Rays, which means he could be traded at any moment. Exactly. That's a great point. Um. Yeah, I'm going 100 on the projection there. So just on the 50 innings alone, I think I think the 50 innings erases the team context situation. Yeah, and and puts me towards Scooble there. So I think that's a good line. Yeah, and then like you said, like you were, I think you were bringing up the reason that this is your line is you you're no longer using the injury thing against Scooble because yeah. they both have that now. Exactly. And now we're just talking two I, absolute stuff. Yeah, and I and I don't even call it an injury thing with Scooble because I mean you get the honeymoon, you know, coming back. Yeah. So it's more of a matter of like how aggressive will Detroit be um in terms of pushing Scooble because I could see a lot of different avenues for Detroit. Like the Tigers have a team that is up and coming. Do they say, Quite "Hey, well. this is a poachable division with the White Sox clearly not being the team we thought they were going to be?" And the mm-hmm. twins being good, but like the twins have a lot of problems. And we know that they're probably not going to go out and do another huge free agent contract. Um, so I I could see the Tigers saying, hey, this is our year. Or I could see them saying, we got one more year. One more year of a bridge year before we get there. Uh, and maybe we cool it with a little bit with Scooble and let him only get to like 130. Um, I think it's a bridge year if things don't go. I think they come in looking at it like, hey, we can do this. Yeah. Especially if Erod stays, 
We've got a rotation, which we discussed a couple episodes ago. We got some hitters coming up. Green and Torque are looking like the real deal. A couple other guys, Kerry Carpenter put on some put on mm-hmm. a nice season. A couple other guys showed that they can at least be pieces on the team, maybe not full-time unencumbered starters, but they put Cole, some things together. Old Keith is on the cusp. Uh, you said it right. I know. I had to think about it actually while you were talking. Like you I, didn't call I, him I, Keith, Keith Cole. I've Parker really, Meadows yeah, Parker showed Meadows, some things yep. early on. So all of a sudden, the Tigers are putting some things together. And if they're going well, they're not slowing Scooble down unless he's you know injured. But they're not going to baby him if things are going well. We just don't know. So that's why I would keep it at like a 145, 150 estimation uh, uh, projection on Scooble's innings totals and then kind of go from there. But he's going to be a top 15 starter. So if you're not willing to pay that, oh, yeah. he's, you're he's, not getting any Scooble. He's going to be a top 10 starter. Like, I mean, in spring, if he has a good spring, I, I think so. I, I mean, so. if you if you look at like the ADP as it sits right now, you got one, two in the first round. You've got three, four in the second round, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. 13 he was the 14th starter off the board that includes, 14th starter for scooble he that includes brandon woodruff who now will not be at that point um so that would make him the 13th starter off the board he's going to be a top 10 starter like next month he will be a top 10 starter in terms of adp and i'm not opposed to that like i don't know that i, I like i said i could pull the trigger but i'm not opposed to that like the question is either. like are you sure B Woody's cooked, by the way? I don't know if he's cooked or not, but But he'll it, go down and maybe he will and Okay, okay. Fair, this fair is not a good injury. Uh Dr. Justin no. Morts on Twitter did a really, really good um breakdown of this. And um this is it sounds he's not gonna be on my board. Like I said, I, I took him in my first draft, which drafted back in July, August. Um I will not be drafting Brandon Woodruff again. He will he will pretty much not be on my board. Poor B. Woody. Anyway, I didn't mean to derail your, your point there on, on Scooble. So he's going to be a ten, top 10 guy, you think. You're not 100% against it, but you wouldn't pay. So how, how does that how does that play out? Like you you respect people going for their guy, but you're just not quite willing to get there. Is that what you mean when you say, I, I can see it, but I'm not doing it? Yeah, I mean, for me, it is when I'm drafting a starting pitcher that high, I want a guy that I can pretty comfortably pencil in 170 plus innings. I mean, as much as you can comfortably pencil in anybody for 170. Sure. Um, and I just don't know that I can do that with Scooble. Now, if I decided to go, not necessarily pocket aces, but maybe an ace in the first round, like if I got Garrett Cole and then I went, I'm going to pair Garrett Cole in uh, Tariq Scooble, like then I can see myself doing it. But I just that doesn't feel like something I'm going to do necessarily very often. Like a lot of those guys that we, that I did the word you rather with uh, you, I would rather have, I would rather have Zach yeah. Gallen. Um, I think George Kirby is kind of the guy that I'm debating. Uh, but like, I think a lot of those guys, you know, or, you know, Kevin Gosman for me, uh, Luis Castillo for me, like these guys are, I, I love Gosman, but Castillo, I, I mean, I love Castillo. Gosman, I think is closer though with that. What's up with that Babbitt? Why is it two years in a row now? I don't know. He's worked around it, but is he always gonna, that's, that's a and, magic trick. And maybe when I actually like run my numbers 
and I go, okay, like, you know, cause if I, you know, if, if, and when I run my numbers and I see like Tariq Skubal's projection on his whip, you know, cause he had a 0 0.90 whip this year. I may go, I think I'd rather have him. I mean, you're talking about, you know, a 0.2 difference in whip over 150 innings. That is a mm -hmm. big difference from your ace, right? Like, I no don't doubt. care about my third or fourth starting pitcher having a 118 whip. I do care about my first starting pitcher having a 118 whip. Uh, Absolutely. So, and, and I, I don't, I'm probably going to do more research on it with regards to Gosman because it's two years in a row now and I want to see what's up. Last year, I did kind of wave it off a little bit like, okay, that's pretty outlandish. He worked around it. Okay. But this year, I mean, he worked around it again and it was 40 points lower, but I'm still a little perturbed because he was still top three in the league in terms of highest Babbitt. So we'll keep an eye on that with Gosman. But Scooble, he's zooming up if you want him. Maybe get in drafts earlier because the price only goes up from here, barring bad news. So I think you got to jump in. And I mean, here's this the, the other thing I'll say too is uh, if you look, and if I, if I am looking at the right page, the Tigers were much better defensively in the infield than uh the blue jays i don't see that changing so yeah that's true you know as much as you know javi baez has not returned the value on that contract like he's still a really good defensive player up the mm -hmm. middle um i don't know what uh colt keith's defensive metrics look like it, it, daniel uh, murphy type guy where they're, okay. they're getting as bad in the lineup with his defense yeah, so maybe he, he dh he, is more than he, he uh, yes plays he, he plays multiple positions because they're trying to fin finagle the bat in not because he's a quality fielder a la like a ben zobris that is not what you're getting out of colt keith so um you know you're looking at some of those other guys uh zach mckinstry i think was was a positive glove Matt Beerling might have been at third, too. I actually don't know for sure on that. But it did help that that was the one thing that Javi Baez does bring to the table still is is his nice glove. Not what you want to pay for a glove-only shortstop, yeah. but uh, at least there's some value there, right? It's not a complete negative. And I'm looking right now, and I do see... I see outs above average at zero for Beerling, but he also played a lot of different spots, so I don't really know the third base defense necessarily um, versus like outfield or first base or whatever. But bottom line, I think the Tigers should have some solid defense to protect Scooble and those other pitchers. His price is going to be sky high. Let's move on to our next guy. Same division, at least for now. He's currently in the playoffs with the Minnesota Twins, but he will be a free agent. This one I do know for sure. And that's Sonny Gray. And man, this dude just keeps getting it done because he was a bit off the radar this year going at pick 188. He finishes as the 19th starter this year with a big season, 184 innings, a high since 2015. Um, the last time he came close to that was 2019 with the Reds when he threw 175. The two year, last two years have been pretty low, 120 and 135 respectively. So you were kind of getting that good, not great sort of effort out of Sonny Gray. We know with his size and history, he's, he's had some injuries, but when he's on, He's, he's one of the better guys out there. I think he's a bit unheralded. 279 ERA, 115 whip this year. Only goes 8-8. Eight and eight. They could have served him a bit better there. But he'll be a 34-year-old free agent. What are we doing with Sonny Gray next year after a top 20 finish among starters this year? Oh, man. I I mean, like he got pretty lucky. He was one of those guys where I kept going, oh, you've got, you've got to sell high. you got to sell high. And like just it never, never 
happened. Um, and, and a large part was like his just amazing home run rate. Like, you know, he had a sub, uh, you know, half a home run per nine. Like that. Point four. Yeah. Like that. That's is bananas. Unreal. Um, you know, but it was also a 5% homer to fly ball rate. Like we're in, like he's an 11.5% guy, which is still low. Uh, he led baseball by a mile. Uh, 0.73 to 0.39. I said 0.4. It was 0.39, whatever, uh, as we expanded out an extra decimal there. But Justin Steele was second at 0.73. And you're talking 0.39 with a 5% homer to fly ball. Your general point is there's no way that holds for Sonny Gray, regardless of where he goes. This was not a park thing. This was a everything's working in his favor type. Now, he pitched well. 24% K rate, 7% walk. We're not shading what Gray did. But that probably gets him more to a three and a half ERA. The reason he's at yeah. 279 is because of that home run suppression that it, it simply won't last. There are no changes in here that make this last. It is simply the 5% homer to fly ball, which over the course of the year, I mean, there, there's a decent bit of luck baked into that for Sonny Gray. I mean, and he also threw more innings than he's thrown in a season uh, since 2015. Uh, the last time he even threw over like 140 innings was 2019. Like, this was just kind of a magical year for him. Mm-hmm. And he is going to be a, he is a free agent, uh, you know, so we don't know where he's going to end up. He's probably going to get a nice little payday, though. I mean, he's going to be 34 here in a month, so probably not like the most massive of paydays. Uh, just a short two years with a yeah. team option, maybe, or yeah, something. something like that. Um, I don't know. Like, I'm probably not going to pay what he's what people are going to want from him. Where do you think he's going to go, though? 40 top 40 pitcher. Mm, that's a good question. There's a lot of young pitching to fit in there this year, and we're going to talk about a handful of them. Um, he went I, in. Let's see. The one. I think a guy like I think a guy like Gray gets squeezed he went a in little the bit. Seventh might, round of this okay, draft that well, I'm looking I, at. I stand corrected. Uh, it and. Towards the beginning of it, right? I think that's seven, one, two. I'm not. Three, four, I'm not five, paying that six. at all. Sorry, the eighth round. the The back end of the eighth round, mm-hmm. he went right after Cole Reagans, um, and went before Max Scherzer. Now you need to hit me with a double digit round. I think I don't think you're going to get a double digit round. And I, I mean, I, I mean, how many innings would you be even comfortable projecting? Yes. He threw 184 innings this year. Plus he's going to one thirty. He's already got, uh, he's already got five innings in the postseason. Yeah. I go one thirty on the projection. Yeah. And for those wondering, yeah. like, how do you, how do you, you project him to throw less? He threw 119 in two thirds in 2022, 135.1. I think 140 is probably around where I would project him. Uh, for for 2024, and, and Gray will be Sunny Gray will be 34 too. So keep that in mind. He's going to be going to a place with a much worse defense because Minnesota's got a good defense. You know, unless he ends up on Arizona or something like that. Um, what if Minnesota keeps him? If Minnesota keeps him, then maybe think, I'm a little bit more. They have too much pitching to do that. I, I think they have and too much pitching. And they don't like paying for to do that. that. So like, uh, I, I can't imagine they keep him unless he like. Uh, I mean, I guess they give him the. Would you accept the QO? He might. He made twelve and a half this year, so it'd be a nice raise. Yeah, unless he wants to try to multi twenty million and then yeah, and run it back and see what happens. I mean, 
if he gets that, like there, there's, he would certainly be. I don't think you do uh, that at 33 years old, though, right? Like, uh, or almost 34 years old. I think, like, I think you've got to try to get two years. The the allure of multi year uh, has made guys skip the queue well, before. Maybe so. at 34, you go. I don't know how many years I have left. I could go. I mean, this is a guy who's a slight guy, um, and like mm-hmm. had injury issues in the past. And you go. I just want to cash my 20 million dollar check, and. And, maybe and, he goes for and that. Maybe I get a two-year deal next year. Like he could be back with Minnesota. They've got to offer it to him, right? Like, I would think so, um, because you know, if he takes it, it's certainly not budget breaking or anything. I wouldn't think he hasn't. Has he and gotten it? He, he, that's the thing too. I I don't know if he's gotten it. It would have been. Um, you would think Cincinnati that offered it to him, and. We did not see. Oh wait, no, wasn't he traded in the middle of a Cincy deal? I think he was. Yeah. So never mind. Um, I don't. New York didn't offer it to him because they wanted him out of there. So no, there's a world where he did not. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, where I, Sonny I, Gray I has think, not been offered that. Yeah, because it was five think, years. Yeah, I think there is a chance that he stays in Minnesota on a QO. It was a five-year, $51 million deal. I don't think he's been offered I, the QO. Win-win Gray situation for both the Twins and him, right? Like. Like you get especially if he, and we only have to commit one year. Yeah, especially if he pops off with another, you know, with some more playoff gems and they make a run. Yeah, goodwill with him. Here's twenty mil if you want to stay. He he chooses to pick it up. You run it back with Lopez, Gray, Ryan, Ober as your top four. I like that with some of the young pitching coming up behind it too. Uh, but if not, if he if he passes on it, you know, I think they can they can work around it. They don't need Sonny Gray right now. But uh, if he's going that high, man, I was thinking. I guess I guess double digit rounds is unfair because that's pick one fifty. That's only a thirty pick jump based off of this season. And even though other people are going to also fully understand that the home run rate, the home run suppression is not bankable with Sonny Gray. I do still think his price gets pushed up more than 30 picks. So yeah, I I, I get the eighth, ninth round stuff. But you're not but I think I'm with like, you. The guys I met you know the guys I mentioned, Cole Reagans, right? You're taking Cole Reagans, right? A thousand percent. Joe Musgrove. It's not even close. Walker Bueller. Not even close. Um, I'm taking Bueller. Max, when I say not even close. I Max mean. Scherzer. That one's closer, but I think I'm still taking Max. Gavin Williams. I'm taking Gav. Chris Sale. I'm taking Gray. Okay, so like I've, that. I've done. I've done the Chris Sale thing the enough. Back end of the ninth round. Okay, so I guess I am close on the tenth thing. That yeah, I. That's only a thirty pick. I get. You know what? I'm gonna contra- I'm gonna completely run back on myself. Maybe thirty picks is all he deserves because when you really break down and you put the homer suppression aside, and you look at the the core skills. He wasn't that much better on the strikeouts, walks, and hit suppression. It was literally all the homer suppression. Yeah. So maybe he shouldn't really go up. He was a little bit of a bargain last year, Sonny Gray. You bump him up two rounds in deference to the fact that he lasted 184 innings, and then you go from there. So yeah, I, I think uh, I think tenth round actually is fair. What about, on him. What, about so, what about these two guys who went in the tenth round, Jose Barrios and Christian Javier? I take both over Gray. Okay. The, I, and I'm probably, and I know I'm a, I know I'm a stand, but um, I'll take an 11th round Jordan Montgomery. I love Jarmont too. I, I can get behind that. And by the way, all all of that is pro those players more than anti Gray. Yeah. I'm really not trying to dog them out. You just have to be honest about the the home run suppression. And I want to say in the inning from if if yeah 
like you could double his home run rate. It wouldn't really bother me that much because he doesn't walk a lot of guys. For me, it's if I can't project a guy to throw more than 140 innings, it needs to be Kershaw level production. If he and if he was buck think- sixty a year, we would be singing a different tune on the home run suppression. Absolutely. But because we can't bet on the homer suppression and we're shaving off fifty innings, yep. that's where our price on Gray comes back down. And he's gonna be thirty four. So I like him. I wish him well. I've liked him since his Oakland days, but I'm just not there as far as paying the price. Agreed. Kodai Senga, one of the most hidden seasons this year, which is so crazy in New York. Things in New York obviously almost never get underrated. It's almost always blown out of proportion and overrated. But because the Mets had a flop season, uh, this year went completely under the radar. And I've been blabbing about this uh, on different things. I think I even mentioned it on a random episode uh, coming down the stretch. Yeah, when we did three up, three down, we had him in there uh, back in, that was back in July. So we haven't even talked to talked about him much in the second half. But Kodai Senga had a brilliant transition year to the majors. The 30-year-old came over, put up 166 innings with a 298 ERA, 122 whip. Those walks keep that whip high for sure. But the ERA was down at 298, 29% K rate, 11% walk. 206 average allowed. I mean, he was great. He was the 24th starter off the board or um, rank, and he was the 162nd pick off the board. What does he do for a repeat? Do you believe in Kodai Senga after this excellent first year? I do, but I also want to account for the fact that uh, the whip can could be an issue because of the walk. For sure, right? Like. Even in the second half where his whip was like 115, I want to say it was. I just had it in front of me and I clicked away from it like a <laughs> dummy. Oh. Um, yeah, yeah, 115 whip in the second half after having a 128 whip in the first half. Um, that feels like a floor because it was still a 10% walk rate in the second half. Like, yeah. Uh, or so, yeah, sorry. That feels like a ceiling, not a floor. Um so I knew what you meant, even though yeah. I said yeah to the wrong thing. So, yes. uh, I really like Senga, and you're going to get a lot of strikeouts. It's a really good park to pitch in. I don't know what the Mets are going to do. Like I know they said the thing about not competing until 25. Yeah. I don't buy that, by the way. I don't either. I'm, I just flat out think it's bullshit. Yeah. So. Uh, so, but it's still a good park to pitch in. Um, it's a tougher division to pitch in than uh, we were kind of expecting, but... Um, it's, uh, you know, like it still has a bottom feeder offense in the nationals. I don't know. Uh, he's going really high in drafts. Like, I mean, this, Oh, he is. uh, Okay. So it's not hidden. The fantasy world is not hidden. It, the baseball world, let that go hidden. The fantasy world said not so fast. He went in the middle of the fifth round in this draft that I keep referencing. Um, okay. So lots of love for Senga. Yeah. Uh, I don't know that I want to draft a guy that could potentially give me like a 125 whip. This is Dylan Cease. Yeah. Where the the BABIP kind of drives everything. And, you know, if you don't have a good BABIP, you're sunk. I think we talk a lot about, and I think like Haseon Kim was a really, really good example of, hey, don't bury a guy when they're coming over from a different country, from playing in a different league because they struggle in their first year. What we don't talk about enough is the league gets to adjust to you as well. Exactly. Um, And I think the league will adjust a little bit more to Senga and become a little bit more patient on him. Uh, And I think that could lead to struggles. Now, do I think he's going to be bad? No. Uh, 
I think he's going to get you a ton of strikeouts. Um, I think that Park is going to help shield some home runs and uh, and some uh, some of that ERA. But I think the WHIP isn't going to be particularly great. And I don't want a three category starter as my number two or even number one SP if I you know if I decide to wait on starting pitching. So I'm probably not going to have Senga if he continues to be a fifth round price. That um, price is steep. I, I thought maybe we talk about this every year. The pitching prices go up as the season yeah. goes on. Are you really wanting to take him in the fourth round? Like already I, starting there on Sanga? Dang, yeah. dude, he didn't go in the meatball. So this is this is over the course of a few weeks. He's moved from not going in the top seven to now a top five and, round type of guy. And maybe he is more of a sixth, seventh round or eighth round guy. And then we can have a different conversation because this is one draft, right? The meatball draft True. is one draft. Yes, we have to this keep that in mind. Draft. So this isn't an ADP uh, and they haven't even posted a, you know, a full ADP, you know, uh, um, list on the NFBC site for even to give us context. That's why I'm having to kind of count rounds down on this, mm-hmm. on this screenshot. But you know, maybe he's more of a seventh, eighth round guy. And I think that I could probably get behind. Like you start with a guy okay. with a really good whip and you go, okay, I'm getting everything else from him. Uh, you know, like a Max Freed and a Senga start off my yeah. rotation. Like I don't have a problem with that. But in, in a vacuum, looking at him going in the fifth round to me is jarring. Um, and I don't know that I would be willing to pay that price. Yeah, I, I think that's where I come out on Senga again. I, I just... I was judging too much off the meatball, which when you only have one piece of context, it's hard not to, but yeah, go ahead. I I will say in this draft, the guy who took him in the fifth round already had Garrett Cole in the first round. So, so he's like, just give me that volume and those K's. And I got Kershaw or Cole to blanket the flaws. And then he took Jordan Montgomery later. Uh, So, I mean, I, I already love his draft. That's actually a really great trio there, right? You got the Uber ace, the best of the best, and then two flawed guys that whose flaws marry well. Yeah. Right. More Jormont doesn't have the K's. Uh, there's the whip issue with Senga blend them together. And what do you got? The, the only Another problem super is a pitcher. little bit later, he does take um, Edward Cabrera and Josiah Gray and Eduardo Rodriguez. So kind of adding on to the whip. Issue. Really pushing that whip. Yeah. Really pushing that um, whip. Now detesting the limits of what Cole can, can do yeah. to protect. So, <laughs> but, but so I think this right now comes out as a guy that I do like, I respect, I'm going to keep tabs on, but right now I'm not quite paying the price on Senga. I don't think I'm going to let the market. I have certain guys like this in the winter that I purposely will not draft. I want to see where the market's really at. Now that doesn't mean I'm just going to bypass him for rounds and rounds and rounds, but if he's generally going in the assumed ADP, I'm going to leave that guy alone for a little bit. Cause I want, I want to see where the market goes without me pushing a yeah. guy too much. And then I know what I need to pay as drafts go on. Especially, so I'll do that with a few guys in DCs early on, especially with guys where I'm unsure about how to project them. Right? Like if, mm-hmm. You know, obviously, if, you know, for me, like one of the guys, you know, this last year was TJ Friedel, right? Like, I'm going to get TJ Friedel in all my drafts, doesn't matter, you know, because uh, I don't care about setting them in on a guy that I love. But on guys where I have a lot of trouble, you know, I think uh, Charlie Morton was a really good example of a pitcher going, you know, higher this last year. I really didn't know what to do with Charlie Morton. Uh, And so... I kind of just waited to see, like, okay, where this, where is he going in drafts before I was willing to even put uh, kind of a, a round value on him? Uh, and 
you know, that made sense because I don't think Charlie Morton know, knew what he was doing this year. So <laughs> not uh, for a lot of it. It was, it was a weird was, kind of up and down yeah. type season for him where uh, not everything worked. He kind of got through it. He had the protection of a great team. Uh, but yeah, he'll be an interesting draft spot next year. If too, he's back, uh, Charlie he, Morton, he might if he even comes too. back, he might walk off into the sunset. We'll see what happens with the Braves. They got their hands full with those Phillies, man. That Phillies crew looks ready to go again here in October. Pitching um, wins in the postseason. Absolutely, especially when you got two aces up front, and then that bullpen it's has really up, become yeah. an asset. They have so many nasty guys that they can just keep hurling at you. And we're going to talk about one of their guys who I love. Uh, I couldn't shut up about in the second half, so if you listened during the second half, you already know who that is. We'll get to him in a moment. But let's go old again and talk Michael Waka. Brilliant season for Waka, man. I've been gassing this guy on the show for years. I didn't come close to gassing him this year. My love for him had dissipated. I was kind of moving on from Waka. I'm like, okay, you know, he was actually decent with Boston last year. Credit where it's due, 332 ERA, 112 whip. In fact, pretty much in line with this year, but I wasn't I wasn't thinking about him. He's only 31. I abandoned my guy too quickly because pick 331, I could have taken some Waka. I, I will say, when it comes to some of those later picks, I'm, I'm onto the younger arms trying to shoot the moon on that upside, forgetting an adage that I myself will sometimes pound in the ground that old guys can have upside too, right? Yep. Staying healthy and getting back to their, you know, previously established skills, or in this case, just keeping those. Because again, Waka wasn't that different than he was last year um, with the imperceptible difference in strikeout to walk ratio at uh 14.2 percent to 14.6 so a negligible difference there 322 era 116 whip compared to 332 112 last year but it was good for the 26 starter off the board in 134 innings what are you doing with a 32 year old walker next year who will also be with the padres sorry i was, I was checking uh, no, his contract he's, status he's a, he's a free agent um so, oh, there's uh, no, it's player option, player option. Ooh, 24 okay. to through 26 is player option. Sorry. Um, okay. All right. Uh, That's interesting. Is do you, Let's start with that real quick. Do you think, uh, I'm going to get you the numbers. It's 16 mil. Oh, wait a minute. This is weird. Six and a half million dollar player option, 16 million team option. How's that work? So it's like a mutual option. Like if he, but then how much is it? Is it twenty? It's it's not twenty two and a half. Man, there's no way. No, no. It's if he he can exercise it or they can exercise it. So it's like, um, it's an unmutual option, I guess. So he yeah. can he can opt out of the player side, but they can exercise the sixteen million dollar team side. Check this out. Yeah. Player option only exists if twenty four twenty five club options are executed this is a very confusing deal um, they have to make a decision on 24 and 25 at the same time and then it triggers a 26 team option or player option that's also for six mil i don't know what the hell's going on keep walking san diego for right now what do you do with him next year coming off a second straight quality season i mean i think you gotta say you gotta run it back um and he probably will be undervalued but I mean, speaking of Charlie Morton, this feels like a Charlie Morton type, like late career. He's only 31, though. 32. He's only 31. 
Oh, he'll be 32 next year. You're right. You're right. You're no, right. he's 32 now. He's going to be 33 next year. I'm talking age season, Justin, always. Not their present day age. This oh. will be his age 32 season next year. I, I talked about his actual age. I know. I know. You look at the top of the page. I'm always talking age season. So it's the age 31 season. It'll be age 32 Where's next the year. Where's cutoff then for that? Is it opening day? July 1st, I believe. That's his birthday. Well, there you go. So he's right on the cutoff. Yeah, like literally July 1st. Is I, I think if it was June 30th, I think this would have been his age That's 30 season or some insanity. shit. Um, anyways, uh, yeah, I'm I'm totally here for another Michael Walker season. Uh, I don't think he's going to be very expensive. That's um, the key. And I don't think he'll be expensive at all. Yeah, I mean, we're talking about a guy who only threw 134 innings, but they were really, really quality innings. There'll be a lot of people that point to his 266 BABIP this year and his 260 BABIP last year. Well, guess what? His career BABIP is 295. So maybe he goes up a little bit, but he's still like a mid threes ERA pitcher. Um, he's getting, a you know, just under a strikeout inning. Uh, I, I love what Michael Walker does. He's gone from being a guy who I think early in his career was more of a thrower into a pitcher later in his career, which is fantastic because I think a lot of people still remember him burning a lot of people, including you on just like really, really high ranks when he was with St. Louis. Um, I loved it, dude. I know I you had him as your like number three or four pitcher one year. Um, uh, Probably off of 2015. Yeah. When yeah. he threw 181 innings, 338 ERA, 121 whip, 17 wins. I'm like, he's arrived. He's here. I love him. I'm a sucker for a younger pitcher with a great changeup, especially because they that usually signifies they have a complete arsenal with a breaker and a fastball. And, you know, his next year was his worst year. 509 ERA, 148. Like the volatility of starters just perfectly encapsulated right there with Michael Waka. Two and a half excellent years um from 13 to 15 and then out of nowhere just a 509 era 148 yeah. whip kick in the wean yeah there you go and i mean it was really a, a lot of bad luck but i mean he's uh he's just been a really really good pitcher the last few years san diego is a great place to pitch it's going to give him a lot of mm -hmm. opportunities to win because i know they've talked about cutting payroll but i don't know how they do that um <laughs> Oh, by the way, I should I should mention he went fourteen and four in just twenty four games, yeah. and that's part of why he's twenty sixth right now. And I, I mentioned it with Eflin and Steele. Like you got to point that out because that's a big part of this dollar calculation in the especially, in the auction calculator, especially in one hundred and thirty four innings. Like you do not exactly. do not expect a repeat of that. But I also don't think he's going to be going very very high in drafts at all. No, so. is he is he a top fifty starter picked? Do you think? I think he's probably not. I'm not sure that he is. And I'm not sure that, that people are necessarily wrong on that. I think Waka might just be one of those guys who's going to be a, a quality price because push come to shove, you just keep pushing him down for, you know, younger, higher upside arms. And then it's like, okay, well, now I'll take, now I'll take 32, age 32 Waka um, as pitcher 52. Um, he went in the 18th round of this draft. I mean, um, come on. You know, so, you know, that that's pick 270. Uh, yeah. That's 18 full rounds there. Yeah. I mean, if you're saying what, 40 percent are pitchers. Yeah, he went around. Pick you know, it's like 103. Yep. 
I'll take that all day. Like I'll just, I mean, that's you know. just, there's no tax on this season no. for Waka. No. So if you believe in it at all, you, you shave the winds way down. Cause you should just always do that with guys. Even, even Strider, I'm not protecting him for 20 next year. Just spoiler alert. If, even if um, you give him eight wins in 135 innings, um, mm-hmm. with a mid three, three and a year, half. Yeah. Like I think that's fine. Like I, I Absolutely. don't think that's going to be a problem. And you know, you might, you're going to have to do some management. He's yeah. not Kershaw in that, um, he's going to be amazing every time he pitches, but you're going to miss some time. There's going to be a Waka IL stint or two, almost certainly, but you work around those in the last two years. He's worked brilliantly around those in Boston and San Diego. So if he stays with San Diego, um, even if he goes somewhere that's neutral, uh, or maybe even a little hitter friendly, I'm not really off yeah, of him because the was, price is just not going to hurt. He was fine in Boston. Like, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Let's go back out to Minnesota, talk young here. And uh, Bailey Ober, guy I love this year, really paid off. Uh, feel pretty good about, about everything with him because he finished as a 28th starter in, after being a 354 ADP. That said, it was a little bit of a weird breakdown with his season where he threw 144 innings, but he had a dead stop similar to the guy we're going to talk about next. Let's just kind of loop him in because these two are pretty similar. Tyler Wells was uh, pick 442 and he was the 29th starter uh, this year. And these two are very similar in that they've got great whips. They're extremely tall and they love giving up homers. And I wonder if the height is related to the home run allowance, perhaps. Can they not get the ball down enough? Like they're six eight and six nine, um, Wells and Ober respectively, and again they cut a very similar figure here of being just major home run issues, but good whips on good teams, so good ratios, uh, win opportunities. I loved both this year. They both panned out brilliantly. But what do you do with both next year? And how do you how do you handle these home run guys? Are they scary for you? Because um, I, I think you could put Joe Ryan as like the king of this group. Like he has the highest upside, but he also carries that consistent home run yeah. issue. So let's focus on Ober and Wells here. What are you doing with these two next year? I mean, I think you've got to regress them both. I mean, Wells didn't even finish the year in the majors, really. Um, or- His was a dead stop and when he was done yeah he came back for one relief appearance with ober it was uh actually you know what i think i'm just thinking of the um the stint from august 27th to september 15th which actually wasn't as long as i thought with ober was that an il or did he go to he went to the minors he went to the he? minors yeah they both went to the minors but but wells stayed and obers was to protect innings i think for the playoffs yeah i mean i think Wells is a really interesting guy because he's great at home. Like he's awful on the road. That that park really saved his season. Um, saved his life. Like they yeah. made that park for him. Yeah. And with his home run issue. That being said, he gets to pitch in that park. Like it's not mm-hmm. like they're it's not like they're gonna be like, well, we're gonna move the walls back in. Um no, they're leaving so, it. Uh like but he's a guy that is really, really hard to trust on the road. And do you want to be rostering a guy that you can only use half the time um and that becomes a wasn't that bad on the road 393 102 this year but 14 homers in 55 innings so i'm i'm granting you the home run issue you're 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 gonna say that that era is gonna go up i'm not gonna disagree with you there but if i'm getting what if okay let's say 430 era i'll give you 40 points on it and a 111 whip so i'll move the whip up nine points 
I don't know I'm that still you using to, him. I don't think I you need to even move the whip up that far. Um, then then I'm then I'm using him even more, I guess yeah. is what I'm saying with Tyler Wells, right? We're, we're talking about Wells with a you know seven percent walk rate. Like like he's not gonna be a bad whip guy. Um it's just a matter of like do the home runs cause him to get sent back down to the mic? Like that becomes a bigger issue. It's less about like when you actually use him. But I mean, the nice thing about that is like, you can drop him. Like it, when he went down the minor leagues, you just dropped him and moved on. Yeah. Well, um, not immediately. I held him for a little while cause we didn't know. Yeah. But I didn't hold him that long. I made a pretty, pretty decisive decision. I don't know. What, that was a weird way to frame that. I was pretty decisive on it. And I said, okay, I'm going to move on here. Um, same with sale when he got hurt. Like I, I've made more decisive decisions in the main event where you don't have the IL and all that. And you just, Hey man, I need these roster spots. I'll figure it out later. I will point out Wells historically has been pretty good on the road. Surprisingly enough, he actually has a worse home split 450 ERA versus 339 on the road. 108 whip to 0.98. Um, your general point is well taken though, that Home run parks are going to be sketchier on the road, generally speaking. We know what his controlled home environment is. And that could give you a, a lofty ERA in a given year. And touring the AL East isn't great. I will say the rule change uh, also worked in his favor, right? Fewer games against the AL East. That's a good thing for Tyler Wells. I don't want to face the New York, Tampa Bay, Boston, Toronto lineups more than I have to. Yeah. Uh, Ober is a much more tricky proposition. Um, he was really, really bad in the second half. Like, shut up. You, you, you. No, I'm teasing, but also I'm being serious. 452 ERA in the second half. He gave up 14 of his 22 home runs in 20 less innings. Lot, um, lots of homers. It was two bad outings that pushed the ERA. Uh, Texas and KC outings. And I'm not, I'm not saying you would have skipped those. You, yeah, you, you would ate all of them. Would, you definitely, well, you might have skipped the Texas one, but. Maybe, but by then he had a 341 ERA going into no. that game. I didn't, like I, I was starting. So I'm going to yeah. go off my experience and say, so I'm not, that's not the case I'm arguing here. You, you ate all of it. My point is though, I think is that a 452 ERA just isn't as bad as we might think it is at, at, at first blush. We hear that and we're like, ugh, 452. I mean, what you you shave off like four runs, and and it's a completely different story in this sample. Uh, I think let's see what that would be then. It goes down to a three ninety four, and we're not talking about it as a problem. I think what we do need to talk about as a problem is the ten percent rise in home run to fly ball rate in the thing. When it, when because a guy is putting the ball in the air fifty percent of the time, to have that like, kind like of gray. jump, yeah, that kind of jump is really really scary. Um, and I just don't know if he's going to be able to hold down a whole year in the rotation, giving the propensity for him. Now, on the plus side for Ober, he's got a fantastic outfield defense. Um, mm -hmm. They're fantastic defense, you know, in general. In general, um, but the outfield defense is what he needs to catch those balls. Don't let those balls in the gap that are long flyouts yeah. become doubles. Put runners on because then the homer is coming, right? Like he's yeah. got to keep the bases clean and he does that with the walks, but the hits also have to be managed as well as possible for Bailey Ober to really succeed. 
And I, I agree with you that there is some concern that they just maybe don't want a homer guy in the rotation like that, uh, as scary as he is, especially because Joe Ryan carries the same yeah, home run problem. It may not be so much they don't want to carry the home run guy, they don't want to carry five of them. Like, I mean, that's <laughs> true. That becomes, I mean, not to Pablo Lopez. I mean, Pablo Lopez is just an absolute stud. Uh, but I love him, dude. Great, Gray's home run regression uh, all went to Ober. Ober yeah. ate it for the whole team, like, he absorbed Absolutely. it. And Grays will Grays will catch up to him, and it's not because it's it, like again an anti-Gray take. It's the numbers; they will regress. Five percent will regress. Ober, I knew if if NFBC was a trade league, I would have tried to trade Ober, obviously, because yeah. I knew that it was going to regress. It was a five percent last year, so I knew it was going to regress coming into the year. And then he maintained it for like the first half of the season. I was like, this is this is going to have a comeuppance, and it did. But I could still eat a four fifty two ERA in the second half from Ober, and it certainly didn't kill me because it also came with a pretty decent whip, if I recall correctly. I'm running the numbers right now uh 120 whip that's not so bad it's not so I, bad but it's not what you're looking for in a 15 teamer he wasn't killing me down no, the stretch, my point with Ober. Was fine, yeah. I mean. uh, so who you drafting uh, do we think they go similarly can you check that draft real quick did they go close because I, I think I, this is another I one where wells went way after um, this is another one for me where when one goes it kind of triggers the other one on my radar that i'll, I'll be looking out for them and if wells does go away later there, there is concern that wells doesn't have a roster spot or a rotation spot because i was surprised that they left him down that long um i couldn't believe that they kind of just went away well, they did not have a deep enough rotation well, to do wells that in my opinion. as the first pick of the 24th round and i all i can see is 24 rounds okay um, ober, ober had to have gone by then 13 rounds Three forty-six. Okay, so they're they're light years apart, ten rounds apart. Give me Wells all day, all day. I mean, because I do see them very similarly, and I love because Ober. But twenty-fourth round, like he could be dropped right after the draft if he's not in the rotation. Simply cannot hurt you. Yeah. And I know we have the discussion about calling things free and whatnot. Um, generally, when you overuse it, which you definitely do, Absolutely. this is the type of guy you mean though. Is that like I can't get hurt by this pick? Yeah. I can take him in the 24th and if two weeks in he's you know the the sixth starter and they're only starting him when they really need somebody he, i'm out here's the context you want to think about right like my main event and auction teams which were good teams right like i should have a good portion of my players at the end of the season that i drafted because my team was so good I mm -hmm. think I had 14 players left from my main event and 16 players left for my original auction. There like, you go. That it, out of 30. Yeah. Drafted out, of, in both. out of 30. So like after the 16th round, even if you're drafting really well, a lot of those picks you're churning a lot of those picks are getting dropped. So you're, you're, you're absolutely churning. And no, I think that's a, that's a great call. And that's something that people need to be comfortable with. And so when you're talking about Ober and Wells and how close they, they look to be, you can't take Ober. If you agree with us on Wells and we get word that he's going to have a rotation spot and everything, let's, of course, keep tabs on that. Um, I just don't know how you take Ober over Wells, all things considered. Yeah. At 10 round difference, two round difference, it's coin flip. You make your choice. Um, and I probably take Ober. But 10 rounds, ain't no way. Ain't no freaking way. All right, let's move on to this next guy here, who I believe we have at least briefly discussed. Let me look up his page just quickly here. It's Michael King, and we did talk about him in the final two steps of, of the season there. 
Um, so we talked about him in that context, uh, but those starts have now happened and what a great finish. And this is another thing in New York that kind of weirdly has gone under the radar because they were just kind of playing out the string. And I don't think everyone was necessarily fully ingrained with what was going on over there with Michael King, a longtime reliever, was blossoming as a starter. And this year, he really closed the season brilliantly, even with the KC uh, bad outing. He gave up eight hits, four runs in four innings at KC to close out the, the season, even with that. Eight starts, 38 and a third, 48 Ks, nine walks, 188 whip, or excuse me, 188 ERA, and a 110 whip for Michael King. Justin, I think this is legit, and I think the 29-year-old Michael King is going to get an opportunity to, to fully start next year. I'm projecting him for 150 innings, at least. I, I don't see any reason that they're going to baby him. He's 29 years old. If they believe in this, why would they, why would they, you know, uh, tiptoe around it? What do you think? Have we ever seen Michael King and Jeffrey Springs in the same spot? Could this be Jeffrey Springs using his other arm? Yeah. And I'm, playing, playing for the enemy. It's hmm? quite possible. Hmm. Uh, it has a feeling of a Jeffrey Springs type breakout. Um, I kept trying to make it Zach Littell there in Tampa Bay, you know, sticking with the same team, but here in New York, it, it was it was happening under our noses and uh yeah i mean the k's were there it this was a beautiful beautiful run for king he's gonna get helium but do we think it gets cost prohibitive again i'll, I'll defer to you on the draft there because there's no way he went in the meatball i doubt he was even starting by the time they started this draft so um he had to have gone in those 24 rounds can you look that one up real quick and see where michael king went 10th round Oh, fuck me. Okay, he will have a <laughs> huge price. Okay. He went okay. around ahead of teammate Carlos Rodon. Okay, fair enough then. So this is not hidden. Again, the, not nothing gets all. by the fantasy folks. The the you know the MLB folks might not be giving it enough run there on MLB Network or whatever, but nothing gets by the fantasy folks, as I expect. Again, if you're drafting this earlier, you're, you're crazy. So you're definitely in the mix. You're not missing Michael King. And I wasn't pretending that he was going to go 20th round or anything but i was thinking closer to 13th 14th so you saying 10 there i'm like okay i will say this though as jarring as it was i will pay that i believe in this i, I don't I, see any reason to not i think the only thing i worry about is what we saw with jeffrey springs um which is a huge jump in innings um any pops any pops uh and so i don't know i want to be in on it because i think the skills are unimpeachable you're talking about mm -hmm. a guy that like yes the last start at kansas city last day of the season yeah. um he Shit gave up happens. three home runs you know how many yeah. home runs he gave up uh prior to that once he's probably three starting, total zero he had not given okay, up so a single home run <laughs> since he started starting on <laughs> august 24th until the last day of the season he gave up three home runs to he, freaking kc yeah too. his walk rate amazing like it just I, the skills are unimpeachable i think it's all about what can you reasonably project for innings yeah. and the hard part is just like springs we're gonna go he's 29 and michael king like they have no reason to baby michael king like mm -hmm. he's not like this huge pivotal part of their future necessarily they're just gonna milk it and does that snap and so like I think the range of outcomes on him, like when you do projections, what you're projecting is a median 
outcome, right? Yes. You're projecting, you know, what is most likely to happen. You're not really projecting the upside or the downside. I don't think there is a median outcome for him. I don't think Michael King is going to, I think he's either going to throw 150 really good fucking innings or he's going to throw 30. And get hurt again. Because he has some injury again. history of his own, Michael King yeah. does. Um, that has probably kept him from doing this because they flirted with this before. That's another thing about this. This isn't the first time that they've dabbled with Michael King as a starter, but health issues have cropped up and they haven't been able to really commit to it. Obviously, this season kind of got away from them. Maybe if they had committed to him earlier, I know he was hurt, I think, to begin the year, but maybe if this had been the plan from the outset, then maybe they make the playoffs because, again, their bad season is what uh, most bad teams would gladly take at 82 and 80. So they were in the mix until the very end there. Uh, but yeah, I, I can totally see that, right? Because it's a 2x the innings. And does that put too much stress on Michael King next year that he blows up? That I don't know. But uh, I'm going to be around to to see what happens. I'm, I'm going to get him somewhere. I'm not I'm not it, settling. It is all for- going to depend on price for me. Like it is yeah. all like that. That's I mean, if if he's starting in the 10th round, then there's a chance he's a seventh round pick come March. I don't know that I'm in for that. Uh, that becomes a lot more difficult because then you're talking about a guy who's potentially your number three starter. Um, and I don't know that I want a guy that I, I feel like there is some sort of reasonable chance. He only throws 40 innings as my number three more starters by then. No, I mean, I probably won't, but I, I don't go as hard on pitching as other people. Well, I can't say that that didn't you, work for you this you, year. I so. mean, you want to get a reliever, right? Yeah, I'll, I'll definitely. You know, I paid the the top reliever there. Okay, you know what? Uh, no, you're you're 100 right. I drafted my third starter in the tenth. Yeah, so, Lucas Giolito's bitch ass. Yeah, and so like for me, like while you definitely are starting to shoot for like you know a little bit more risk reward at that point in the draft. You're definitely looking at the upside. Uh, I still want a guy I feel pretty comfortable about. I'm gonna uh, comfortable. I'm gonna get 130 to 150 innings from. That's fair. I, I want to be clear. I love Lucas Giolito. I actually do feel bad that he got moved twice in one month, and that would wear on anybody. And he was still more good than bad. But I, I, I was trying to spot him during that whole transition from. First Cleveland, uh, for, first the uh, White Sox to L.A., and then from L.A. to Cleveland, and I was hit and miss on that. So yeah. I took some of the brunt. I avoided some of the duds, but then I missed a gem. I missed the Texas gem. So you know, it was just, it was painful. But yeah. uh, he really struggled with those two teams, and I, I think he's a guy on his routines. I know we've seen stuff with him in those early games, those early afternoon or even late morning games. Not Lucas Giolito's favorite thing. I think he's one of these big time on his routine. And if it gets disrupted, uh, I can cause issues and getting moved twice once clear across the country to the West. And then all the way back a month later, that's a pain in the ass. So I, I did take a jab at him, but I will definitely draft Giolito again. Cause I think he'll be cheap and I hope, my Tigers sign him. That'd be a free agent. I'd have no problem with them going after. Let's move on. I hinted at this guy earlier. You probably figured it out. If you listened to anything during the second half, you know, I wouldn't shut up about Christopher Sanchez for the Phillies. And I feel pretty validated on that. I feel like he had a really nice second half Uh, ends with a 344 ERA and a 105 whip. Good for uh, overall finishing 50th right on the button there. And he was the 750th pick. So, obviously, that was an afterthought. That's pretty much meaning that he never really went. 
What do we do next year now? Because he's obviously going to have a much higher ADP than that. Do we think people are going to get crazy with Sanchez? Because he's not starting during the playoffs. So we're not going to get playoff tax, even if he has some great relief outings. What do we think here? Uh, I mean, if this first draft that I've been referencing is any indication, he's going to be really affordable and on, on a lot of my teams. Um, I love Christopher Sanchez. I think he will have a rotation spot locked up uh, coming into next season. And he went in the 19th round of this draft. Like, I will take that all day. Every single team. Yeah, I'll be drafting him like the 15th round and and, being, and just like counting my money. Uh, I mean, I love everything he does. I think the skills are really, really good. Um, you know, maybe there's a little bit of regression coming for Sanchez. But ultimately, like, I think the there's so many people who are going to discount him and choose guys on like a bounce back over him you know the ludolos the biebers the you know those guys um which i understand and i'm not necessarily against those are valid picks i think sanchez is just money i think you're just playing totally him as a mid to late teens pick uh in a 15 team draft so that means like in your 12 team drafts you're talking about a guy that is going undrafted or uh going really really late uh i'm i'm all here for the christer for sanchez bandwagon and i hope people don't listen to this episode and start pushing him up yeah i mean he'll go up for you know over the course of the winter i i'd be surprised if it gets cost prohibitive though with christopher sanchez i'm gonna be there what did i mention earlier about uh younger arms with ready-made change-ups he's got an excellent change-up and i just love what he does uh, i think it can be an absolute monster 99 in the third innings this year shouldn't have any problem really getting to 150 as long as he's healthy i think you can project him from somewhere in the 140 to 160 range with comfort uh swing has swing and miss doesn't give up walks does have a little bit of a home run issue and what we're noticing with these guys that kind of live in the zone they, they can be prone to some homers so if you could tighten that up I think you could have an ace level season, but we don't even need that from Christopher Sanchez for him to be worth the pick. So we're going, we're going pretty big on Christopher and Sanchez. Even with the home run rate being less than ideal, we're we're talking about a guy who does not walk guys. Like, and so, so it's like Tyler Wells. So he, co- yeah. he covers it a bit. Yeah, I mean, yes, he gave up sixteen home runs in his ninety nine and third innings. That is not good. It's a home run half per nine. You know how many walks he gave up? The same amount. He gave up 16 walks. <laughs> like that's that's excellent. Like so, so he could be one of these guys, Christopher Sanchez, if he doesn't quite break through this year, right? Because his growth isn't linear. And he puts up like a 420 ERA, but it comes with a 108 whip. Like that's still useful. And I know I beat this into the ground, but I talk about these guys that have the the lesser whip or the the um higher ERA with the lower whip. That player profile is underrated. The inverse is heavily overrated, in my opinion. And yes, like he, he, his home run to fly about ball rate was outrageous. I mean, twenty-two percent, twenty-two percent. But that's because he had a twenty-six percent fly ball rate. He doesn't put the ball in the air that much. Exactly. So he just has a few misses. Yeah, and if that comes, if that home run to fly ball rate comes down at all, which I think it should come down to, like. 17 18 19 percent like now which is still pretty high by the way yeah yeah but i mean I'm but, saying, but give, like, him, I, give I, him a high one yeah I'm still giving him a high one and like and i'm going hey this is a guy that now 
like could be like you said elite like he, he could you know you know you give him 145 innings of you know a 330 340 ERA and like a there's ace upside inning like mm, I like that there is ace upside and so I will take Christopher Sanchez it might not come next year but I'm taking the shot because there's a lot of skill to to bet on here and he's with 20, Christopher Sanchez he's 26 um i don't know when his birthday is so oh he's it'll gonna, be his age 27 season he's gonna turn 27 here uh in december so like there's no reason to baby him like no. just let him it's go time. 140 150 minutes especially if they lose nola right it's time yeah. to get the heir apparent going and there then, you know and, we, and lorenzen's probably not back and yeah like, so wheeler will still be the ace um but then you're looking to fill in behind him and i do think somebody like sanchez is viable for that number two spot to be the next uh the next great guy that they have mm -hmm. they got your boy ranger suarez they got my boy taiwan walker i'm actually not sure the free agent status of walker oh well, he's walker's on a three-year deal multi-year that's yeah. right that's right that's right so they'll have him too but uh, yeah we love love sanchez and uh, i'll be drafting him all over we have a host of undrafted guys i want and them all. so it's hard not to tanner bybee finished 33rd we talked about gavin williams in the uh, would you rather that you threw me earlier shouts to Eno. um do you prefer gavin williams or tanner bybee at, at their respective bybee. prices uh, I'm, I'm a bybee guy myself talk to me about bybee and what you like so much about his breakout 298 era 118 whip finished 33rd among starters this year go ahead i mean it, you know like and i haven't even looked at Eno's stuff plus metric and stuff if, if you're gonna look, like grade by stuff plus i'm sure gavin williams is better um but for me, I just love the command that Bybee has. And it's not like he's, it's not like he's a six strikeout or seven strikeout per nine guy. Like he's a straight up strikeout and inning guy. Um, doesn't walk people, doesn't give up home runs, uh, you know, full arsenal. Like there's everything you want to see in a young pitcher um, is there in Bybee. And I think there is upside for more in terms of the strikeouts. Uh, I think he is really, really exciting. I'm really uh, interested in overdrafting him, and uh, I'm hoping other people aren't. Yeah, no, I'm I'm right there with you on Tanner Bybee. I, I really, really like him. I can tell you stuff plus we have it on the site now, Ooh. and 102 for Gavin Williams, 98 for Bybee. So you nailed it there yeah. that Bybee doesn't quite have the, the flashy stuff that like a Gavin Williams might, but he is markedly better than Logan Allen, who was at 86, by the way, just for, for reference there with the baby with the baby guardians, but uh, his pitching plus is 101, which is the same as Gavin Williams. So he makes up for it a bit in the location there, and Bybee, I, there's just so much to like. I trust Cleveland implicitly. I want their pitchers. I want one of these three, right? So it's going to be one of those things too, where if someone takes Bybee quicker than I want to, I'm gonna I'm gonna target Gavin Williams or Logan Allen. Then I want. I don't really want Logan Allen. I I'll take I'll take Williams and or Bybee uh, with a. Won't Allen's price be commensurate? Yes, with the, the lack that, you know, he doesn't bring as much as them. I don't want to pair. I, I'm not grouping those three as as equals. I want to be clear on that. Uh, Bybee and Williams are close to equal, but Allen's a dip down. So I would take the consolation prize, basically, uh, of of going with Logan Allen there if I had to, just to make sure I get in on the Cleveland rotation, because uh, I'm not going to take your boy, Cal Quantrill. I'm uh, sorry. This is, uh, thanks. Um, this is, uh really interesting because every time we talk about like two different or two two guys um the same team drafted him in this draft oh that's um, hilarious and so uh and another or 
two of these other guys that we're about to talk about in this same kind of cluster. Uh, also went on the team? All, same team. Same team That's drafted. That's fantastic. Um, Yuri Perez in the fourth, Bobby Miller in the sixth, Tanner Bybee in the seventh, and Gavin Williams in the uh, ninth. Is that right? Wow. So, by the way, that Perez, Miller, Bybee order that you went, that, that's what they went in the draft. They're the opposite in this ranking here. Bybee was 33rd, Miller 38th, Perez 46th. So let's bring in Bobby Miller here right now because he was 38th, the 38th starter. He is such a different cut than Bybee that I think it's great to bring him up here. And you mentioned the same team getting him. So they're getting two different profiles. Stuff plus for Bobby Miller. Do you want to guess it? Oh, 105. 123. Holy crap. I love he Bobby Br Miller. This is Bobby not Miller is such a potential ace. Like, it's not even funny. Like, that. Yeah. he has every every little checkbox that you're looking for when you're trying to carve out the next ace. I think Bobby Miller gets there. By the way, so, I don't know who drafted this team, but I kind of love it. Even though there's I mean, one uh, pick I dislike early on. Who, let, who's let me, the one you dislike? Uh, he takes uh, Jazz Chisholm in the fifth, but even in the fifth, okay. like that's not. I can, yeah, I can and you're not as big that. on Jazz, but I can I can well, hear that. Listen to this team, and I don't know who it is, and I you know I know people don't like it when you talk about other people's teams and stuff like that necessarily. But Freddie Freeman in the first, I don't give a shit. Yeah, I don't either. Freddie Freeman in the first, Corey Seager in the second, Bo Bichette in the third, Yuri Perez in the fourth, Jazz Chisholm in the fifth, Bobby Miller in the sixth, Tanner Bybee in the seventh, Kettle Marte in the eighth. Gavin Williams in the ninth, Max Muncy in the tenth, Nov oh Novel Marte in the eleventh, Alzale in the twelfth. Like that, that's a hot twelve picks or fire. Like I, that's a hot start. That's betting on a lot of the young pitching. I don't think everyone's necessarily going to hit at the peak, but there's going to be. I don't. Hits. I don't know whose team that is, but I. I love that start. Like I I, I. I love it too. It could be. It could be our friend Jenny Butler. She's in all of the drafts. So, oh, yeah. You it, know. it could be any we of don't our know. friends. Most of our friends are sickos in drafting. Us. Yes. And so they're drafting right now. So that could be Bloomer. You know, that could be the meatball himself, I, Rob DiPietro. We not, don't know. I am not starting a draft until I get back from Disneyland, which will be next week. I'm going to Disneyland. Oh, fantastic. Um, that's like, you know, when they win the World Series, where are you going? You're going to, you know, yeah. that, oh, that I'm, old I'm thing. I'm totally going to record that. Um, yeah. Because yeah, what, what are you doing now? You found, you won a main event or you won a NFBC auction championship. What are you doing now? I'm going. Disneyland. Or Disneyland, excuse me. I get I get the two mixed up. Worlds in Florida, land is yes. in California, mm -hmm. and Justin's going to land. But yeah, Bobby Miller, sixth in stuff plus minimum a hundred innings. Um, that one stands out to me big time. I mean, again, he's got all the makings of a potential ace. You talked about him being in the sixth round there. That's going to be on the cheaper end of his range, I believe. If you want Bobby Miller, get ready to pay. Are you willing to pay four through six prices on Bobby Miller? Oh, man. I am willing to pay six. I don't know if I'm willing to pay higher than that. And that, that becomes the hard part is I love Bobby Miller. Like, I really, really love him. And he threw, what, 100 and... Buck 24, so there's no reason to think well, that he can't put up... Plus, in 21 innings in... Or, sorry, 14 innings in AAA. Oh, yeah. So and, and whatever we get in the playoffs, so we're, we're talking almost a buck fifty. So he's very much in line for a full season. As a Giants fan and as a fantasy player, I hope he gets absolutely destroyed today. Maybe because that keeps price, price down. down a little bit. Yeah, keep the price it in won't. check. It won't. And 
your Giants fandom will come through. But uh, the yeah, the skills, I, are, the skills are fantastic. I mean, we're we're talking about a guy who's under a homer per nine, a six percent walk rate, a twenty four percent strikeout rate. You know that strikeout rate is going up too because the stuff is just too damn good. Yeah. Um, he was getting his footing, you know, he's a ba baby yeah. giraffe out there, um, you know, just try, trying to figure out the majors and does so with the 376 ERA 110 whip with 99 innings under his, or 124 innings under his belt. I can't wait to see what he does for an encore. I love Bobby Miller. I'm definitely open on sixth round. I'm not 100% out on the elevated price, too, which I think it will be. There are builds where I'm going to be okay paying that top yeah. price for, for Bobby Miller. So we'll see how that goes. Yuri Perez, let's bring him in. He went even earlier. He went in the fourth. So the interesting thing, too, with all these young pitchers, I, I ADPs are obviously going to be an average, right? They're going to get us there. But I do think it really is going to be every draft is going to be different. And I think Absolutely. wild differences with these young pitchers. Yeah, especially um, with the pitching. I think the pitching is so deep and young that – that it can go a million ways, yeah. right? Uh, once we so, have 15 drafts in the books, like the min maxes are going to be. That's what I can't wait to see. Yeah. So Perez finishes 46th uh, among starters this year, has a great season. They manage him. We knew they would. Uh, dude cannot buy drinks legally. Like he is, I don't even think his age starts with a two yet, or if it does, it I does, think this was his. Barely, yeah. Was this his age 20 season? Okay, it was his age 20 season. He is not yet 21. He will be on April 15th of next year. So Jackie Robinson Day, he can go out and buy a brew should he choose. But that doesn't stop him from throwing 97.4 miles an hour with a 29% K rate, 8% walk rate, 16% swinging strike rate, 315 ERA, 113 whip, bunch of numbers, add it all up. It's excellent work for Yuri Perez. He ends up throwing... A total of 128 innings in the regular season. That should be enough to, you know, put up at least a buck sixty next year. I don't think he has to be uber babied to get to one fifty one sixty. The Marlins don't baby their guys. The Marlins are no, not no. Like you, other the, you got bullets. Yeah, you put them where where they're useful here. They knew they needed to protect a little bit here with him this year because he was making the jump from Double A. He was so young. But Yuri Perez, I think the the reins are off a bit next year. Are you paying the premium on Yuri Perez? Yes. I know September was awful. I know it was really bad. Like, you know, mm -hmm. we're talking about um, he had a 519 ERA uh, in, in September. Um, I think he just tired out. Like, I just, I do. I think he just tired out. Uh, I don't think this was like, oh, he was running hot and then he, this is who he is. No, I, if anybody no, I wants to discount Yuri Perez uh, for his poor September, uh, give me all their Send shares. My way. Like that's yep. it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'll take them off your hands. I so I was just kind of looking through the splits while we were talking, and I just saw a split that makes me love Yuri Perez even more than I already loved him, and I already loved him a ton. Um, how many innings do you think he pitched this year in high leverage? Where out of out of his ninety one? Yeah, twenty five, two point two. He doesn't get himself in trouble. He doesn't get okay. Yeah, so he doesn't like, get himself in trouble. Like that's like that is a huge stat for a guy like him. Like he's not. That is nasty. He, he's got amazing stuff to get himself out of trouble if he ever does, but he mm -hmm. never gets in trouble. 
I tell you what, 32 of his innings were in low leverage. 56% were in medium leverage. 2.2 in high leverage. He doesn't get I tell you what really sold me. And it's a you know, you gotta be careful with the one game sample. Uh a little it gets a little old school. Like I watched him do this, but I was so sold with the six scoreless, two hit innings, uh, 10Ks, no walks at LA uh, in mid-August. Watch that game. Yeah. Still remember it like it was yesterday. They basically went um, uh, opener Pepio. So then when he and Pepio and Yuri were, when Yuri and Pepio were battling for those five innings that Pepio was in, it was it was excellent ball. I was watching two studs there. By the way, I love Pepio next year. Shouts to uh, Greg for being in on his command changes early when I doubted it. I said, no, this guy walks everybody all the time. Be careful. He said, no, I think there's a change. Nailed it. Um, but Yuri, absolute stud. I will pay the premium. I will. Yeah. Like, I, If you want to get in on some of these guys, you got to pay. And like, I just don't think you have to have two, three years under your belt as much as you, you used to, right? Like when you see it in 91 and a third, no, I'm not going to exactly project him to be 100% the guy he was this past year at 315, 113 whip. But I can move those numbers up a bit and still be comfortable drafting Yuri Perez knowing that I have the upside for more. He's a sub three ERA waiting to happen, especially in that ballpark. Yeah, absolutely. I, I well, let's bring him. in. Let's bring in our boy Cole Reagans then and finish it off with him. We talked about him so much throughout the second half because how could you get away from it? Every time he'd go out and have another great start, we even talked about that one goofy outing that got away from him in Toronto where he was like falling down, throwing those pitches, and he had a little little bit of a Rick Ankeolitis there for a moment, but it turned out not to be some unraveling. It was just a blip, and uh, he finished strong. He got beat up a little bit by the Tigers on the last game of the season. We're not losing our heads over that. A, the Tigers were playing well, and B, it was mostly his control that kind of got away from him. So I, I guess I will say he bounced back immediately after that Toronto start with just two walks against Houston, but then four at Houston and four at Detroit. So he did end with eight walks in his last two starts. That said, there was still uh, 13 Ks in those 12 and a third and only eight hits for Cole Reagans. I fully believe in him. Uh, he finished 49th among starters this year. How, how much revisionist history are we doing to, to blast the Rangers for that trade? I mean, I don't think it's fair. Like, I just, they had such a plethora of arms, like, and they really needed some help in the bullpen. I mean, I think, and and they got good help in the bullpen. Like, he couldn't it, have been that guy. No, he had not been pitching well. He I absolutely know. could have been that guy. No, I, um, I know. Um, I don't want to roast them for it. Even as somebody who really, I saw the value in Reagan's. I liked, I'm not saying that to brag, by the way. I'm just saying, like, he was somebody I was in on. But it clearly wasn't working this year, so he couldn't yeah. be their solution for the bullpen this year. And they need—they still need help, right? Here in the playoffs, we're seeing that a ten-run lead isn't even necessarily safe enough with them. Uh, but Reagan's just was not being that guy. He goes to KC, things click as a starter. Boom, he looks excellent. Meanwhile, Chapman has been good, but not un untouchably excellent for um, for Texas. So, what are you paying for Reagan's next year? Is he a top? eight rounder where did he go in that draft oh um he didn't go as high as i necessarily thought he would have do you think uh, his presence on kc will help mitigate the price a bit it could let's see he went one two three. he went in eighth round okay. right before sunny gray um and that's so, right after I'm joe musgrove uh so i'm paying that all day I, I don't have a problem with that at all 
here's here's a stat uh, or actually maybe i'll make well i'm kind of giving it away okay okay um if he was a qualified starter he was not a qualified starter obviously he did he not for enough innings had he kept the same skills as a qualified starter where do you think he would rank in zone contact for pitchers I couldn't tell if you were framing this as something to be negative about. So I'm wondering if it's a little high. I'm going to say, I'm going to say like three, four points above average, meaning worse. Oh no. Oh no. Oh, it was the other way. You, 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 you. Oh no. This is going to want you to drive up the price. Oh, okay. He would have been second in major league baseball, right behind Spencer Strider. So, oh my God, and right down to the mustache, uh, and they're just righty-lefty yeah. versions of each other is what you're saying, and the Cole Reagans will 100% be Spencer Strider next year. Is that what you're saying on this podcast right now? I mean, I could be saying that. I'm not saying <laughs> that, but it could be. He was in front. Uh, he would have been right in front of Blake Snell, Luis Castillo, Freddie Peralta. Damn. He's got elite ability to miss bats in the zone. Um, you know where that works well, too, by the way? Like, bullpen. You know, Texas could have put, I'm just kidding. Yeah. I had to go back to it. Um, no, that's sick, dude. I like, I'm, I'm, I'm so excited. In. I don't want to get excited, but I, I, I do want to, I'm, I'm going to, okay. Yeah. So what, you know, are, are you paying as high as like, if he's going eighth right now, we got it. We got to add two rounds for this, for the spring. Yeah, don't we? That's, At the least problem is you can't get all of these guys. Like the guy. No, exactly. You have to make guys. I'm you have to pick your favorites. You just got all of them. But um, yeah, I mean, it's going to be hard to, right? So you can't just be like, I'm, you have to have contingencies so that you, okay, if I don't get this one, I move to this one. Piling all of them up, your offense is going to look pretty shitty uh, by that point if you're not careful. So you, you're right. You can't get Kansas all of them. City, like where like you can't, you can't buy a win necessarily. Um, exactly. So by uh, the way, this was something I learned the hard way this year. I was drafting skills over team. I was just like, I'm, I have good pitchers. And I talked about my wins plight all year. And it was because I had a few too many of those type of guys that were you didn't, on. You didn't and see Rob Silver's presentation on chasing wins at, at first pitch Arizona. I mean, I did, but I just, you didn't listen. huh? I didn't. I'm, I'm bad. I'm yeah. a bad person, but I'll yeah. listen this year. But yeah, it, it was, it was a pain in my ass. Um, so what, what do we do with Reagan's then? Do we just keep drafting around the eighth and hope he doesn't move up too much? I mean, I think it will move up. I think, I think he's going to, I think be, we'll be part of, right, yeah, I'm up, sure, sure we will be. Yeah. I'm um, okay with that. Get, get your shares. Cause I'm going to be paying, I'm going to be paying if, the price. If, if you can start with like, if you can go Max Freed and Cole Reagan's or like even a Garrett Cole and Cole Reagan's like, I'm, I'm feeling amazing about the start of that draft. Like, oh yeah, if I go Cole Cole, Garrett yeah. and Reagans. Plus the team names are just gonna be fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Love what Reagans did. I believe in the small sample. I will say this. I'm not gonna get as crazy as I did with Luis Castillo after a small second half sample, though. I will be somewhat tempered. I know eighth round doesn't sound tempered, but with all this young pitching, it kind of is. But I'm very excited for Cole Reagans. I think a full season of what he can do will be incredible. Um, I think they're also, we, we definitely want to, you know, stress there is risk here. Like this isn't absolutely an impeachable profile. I mean, he had a 10%, 10.5% walk rate in the majors, but he also had a 15% walk rate in AAA with Texas and a 12% walk rate in AAA with Kansas City. Like, this could end up being a whip killer. And so yep. I do, if, if I am going to take Reagan's, I am pairing him with a whip asset. 
as my number one starting pitcher. So I, I definitely I mean, that makes sense. Like a Gosman Reagan start is not what you want. No, I, I I agree with that. You don't you don't want to get too caught up uh, with the potentially bad whips because it, it'll snowball on you. It absolutely absolutely will. So. I really am excited about Reagan's, but he is one of the guys that I do have to make some concessions with and being like, okay, wait a minute. With those walk issues, and he is another guy with a 5% homer to fly ball. Yeah. That's coming back. That's yeah. coming back. And it'll so be, the walks, it'll be okay. I mean, like, I, I'm not super worried about it in Texas or in, uh, in Kansas City. In KC. But- I'm going to project him probably close to his Sierra, which was 357. And if I'm putting him down for like a 350, 360 ERA with a good whip and a boatload of Ks, that's still going to be a, a very impressive profile for me yeah. with Cole Reagans. So tons of great young pitchers here. Some fun old guys, too, that you might want to go back to the well with. Lots of bargains inside the top 50. It's why people wait on pitching. They're trying to hit on these guys. It's great when you do, but there's plenty of misses along the way, too. So it's not always easy to land on these guys. Um, I'm sure as the uh, offseason goes, we'll try to identify some of next year's versions of these guys that we could be getting. And um, that'll be a fun process because the mid and late rounds of starters are really where your drafts can be won. If you can land on some of these guys. Now, yeah. some of them, like like the guys we just went over, they weren't drafted. So you got to be savvy in, in fab. This year, fab paid off pretty well. Yeah. Um, you talked about how getting Yuri was a big deal for you. Now, you know, I was I was somebody on the Taj Bradley train. That one didn't go as well. But in the aggregate, those bigger items, those bigger pitchers, they did kind of work. Yeah. Will there be a bunch like that next year? We don't know, but we'll talk more about them later. Justin, we'll talk next Monday. I'm not exactly no, sure what the won't. topic will be. We won't talk. Next oh, that's right. That's right. I You're going to Disney. You'll You're need going to get Disney. someone to talk. I need to get a guest or talk to myself like a freak. Yeah, you can do that. I'll do I'm, one of those. I'm going to be riding, you know, the Pirates of the Caribbean or actually, I think I'm at uh, on Monday. I'm at uh, California Adventure. So I, I don't know what's there. The cars stuff. I don't I have no clue, but it sounds like you're going to be having a great time. Uh, shout so out you, to uh, Matthew uh, Brandenbauer, I think his name is, uh, a listener of ours who helped me uh, uh, plan out. Um, uh, oh, nice! Trip. So he, getting a little help on the, yeah. on the on the planning. That's always. Uh, I'm not. I'm not a travel wizard like Jason, so I can. I, I'm not either. Um, and uh, and Matthew um, jumped into my DMs and said, "Hey, I know you're going to Disney. If you need some help." Uh, I'm going to give his Twitter handle as just a, a shout out to him um, at Brandabur, B-R-A-N-D-A-B-U-R. Uh, if you okay. need help with your Disney trip, he was fantastic to help me. Give me a lot of tips, uh, get me good deals and stuff like that. So, uh, uh, yeah, go, go, go help him out uh, by uh, booking through him. Give him a follow and maybe get some oh, travel tips. And I do need to say, JCPenney finally got me my mattress. There you go. There you go. We'll stop slandering. Oh, well, not, we weren't slandering that. We were being truthful no, about the issues that they were uh, making Justin deal with. So yes. we were not mm-hmm. just slandering them. We were just talking openly. But yeah, okay, JC JCPenney, you remedied it. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll lighten up on you. But yeah. Justin, have a good one. Have a fantastic trip. It is so well earned after your brilliant season. Have a great time with the family. We will talk in two weeks then. Can't wait. Take it easy.